Hebrews chapter 6. Let's stop going over the same old ground uh, again and again. Always teaching those first lessons about Christ. Let's go on instead to other things and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Surely we don't need to speak further about the foolishness foolishness of trying to be saved by being good or about the necessity of faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism and spiritual gifts and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. The Lord willing, we will go on now to other things. There is uh, no use of trying to bring you back to the Lord again if you once understood the good news and tasted for yourself the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit and know how the good word of God is and felt the mighty powers of the world to come and then have turned against God. You cannot bring yourself to repent again if you nail the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him up and mocking uh, to public shame. When a farmer's land has had many showers upon it and good crops come up, that land experienced God's blessing upon it. But if it keeps having crops of thistles and thorns, the land is considered no good and is ready for condemnation and burning off. Dear friends, even though I'm talking like this, I really don't believe that what I have been saying applies to you. I am confident you are producing the good fruit that comes along with your salvation. For God's not unfair. unfair. How can he forget your hard work for him or forget the way you used to show your love for him and still do by helping his children? And we are anxious that you keep right on loving others as long as life lasts so that you will get your full reward. Then knowing what lies ahead for you, you won't become bored with being a Christian, nor become spiritually dull and indifferent, but you will be anxious to follow the example of those who receive all that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. For instance, there was God's promise to Abraham. God took an oath in his own name since there was no one greater to swear by that he would bless Abraham again and again and give him a son and make him the father of a great nation of people. Then Abraham waited patiently until finally God gave him a son, Isaac, just as he had promised. When a man takes an oath, he's calling upon someone greater than himself to force him to do what he has promised or to punish him if he later refuses to do it. The oath ends all argument about it. God also bound himself with an oath, oath, so that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. He has given us both his promise and his oath, two things we can completely count on, for it's impossible for God to tell a lie. Now all that those who flee to him can save them, uh, now, all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. 
Now they can know without doubt that he will give them the salvation he has promised. This certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven, where Christ has gone ahead to plead for us from his position as our high priest and with the honor and rank of Melchizedek.